the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. to the uh, national atrocities and the Jerome Powell admission today that is astonishing and should really have far more attention than it's going to get in this propagandized America. The USSA, the United Soviet States of America. See, in this America, the government, morons that they be, like AOC, who now is calling the Supreme Court a coup and calls for it to be done away with, and she'll be cheered by the moron Marxist bartenders who have no idea which side is up and which side is down. That's what these Marxist morons are. Morons. But there's something that I have to point out, because watching the news here in Chicago doesn't just make me miss the attractive newscasters in Florida rather than these baloney-armed bimbos we have here in Illinois, but I find that to be appropriate. As you hear the totalitarianism and the idea that the government is looking out for the common working man rather than putting them out of work. As I was driving into the studio, I like to take different routes, like to burn up some gas, like to give my share and squirrel hand share and honey bunnies. All I like to do is take your share as well of CO2. I drive around silly and I look at the businesses that have gone out of business. I look at the uncut grass in front of office buildings. And you realize what gets the news are the big companies that leave, the Caterpillars, the Ken Griffins. What never gets the news are those people who thought that they could have a little business, a restaurant, and a storefront, or whatever it is, and can't. because Not because they can't do it themselves or bring some sort of value to consumers, but because of the government putting them out of business. And right on point comes Illinois, specifically Cook County. The sewer of corruption. Never had a balanced budget. Completely bankrupt by any sense of a balance sheet. Let alone the fact that these idiots who hire their moron cousins to sit in a truck and wait for 30 years to go by to collect one of those phony pensions. They can't fill a fracking pothole. And if they do, they're going to have to come back again in six months to do it again. They're going to tell small business how to run their business. It infuriates me. Today is July 1st, and this is when they put all of the laws that they jammed down our throat. And I picked that orifice, not to titillate the Democrat Kamala Harris voters out there. Down our throat, they make them uh, uh, go out six months, and they all went into effect today. A flurry of new laws are going on the books in Illinois starting tomorrow. WDN's Andrea Medina has more on what those changes mean for Illinois residents. The beginning of July marks when many new laws are set to take effect in Illinois. One being the amended minimum wage. That's huge. It provides a living wage for people. 
And two, the Fair Work Week ordinance, which applies to seven set industries for larger employers, those that are potentially covered, the, the, the salary amounts and the wage amounts go up, so more people will be covered. Andy Fox. More people will get laid off, and this is a union thug, Marxist piece of dung who could never start a business or run one. That's who's giving all of this advice. That's who telling you, who's telling you how wonderful this is going to be. So what they wanted to do is go up to fifteen fifty, uh, fifteen forty an hour. And you know, if you take fifteen dollars and forty cents an hour and you just put it on an eight day week and you do five days a week, that adds up to thirty two thousand and change, like thirty two two forty, give or take. And you realize what a company has to, what that actually costs a company. See the morons out there that qualify and are excited about this minimum wage. They have no idea that that actually costs the company about $45,000 a year. So when you look at these small businesses and you say they have 10 employees, that's half a million dollars a year in salary. And then you look at the kind of people who are excited about minimum wage. These are the morons who can't figure out how to dress, who have stains on their shirts, who'd rather look at Tiki Tok or whatever the hell it's called on their phone all day rather than pick their head up when the front door rings. And what you've done now is give them a sense of achievement because, after all, they make $32,000 a year. And they have no understanding that what this just did is put a tremendous amount of these morons out of work. And it doesn't allow people who open the business to actually grow their business and then in in turn pass that growth down to them and give them the raises that they deserve because they have to start off at a cost they do not deserve. So these businesses will now get more selective and they will fire a tremendous amount of these people that the government pretends to be helping. But the part that aggravates me is the moron Democrat minimum wage worker thinks the government's helping them and they cannot see The government makes the most money out of this deal. They're taking more taxes from the pigeon who thinks it's an accomplishment to make the $32,000 a year. And they're taking that extra $12,000 that it costs the company. Because that that goes to the government in a variety of different socialist projects like Social Security and the rest of it. So this is really a boondoggle that is one of those most diabolical ones. Because it tricks the very people it hurts the minimum wage worker, who would be far better off if the government didn't even... See, it's, it's, it's either the person's business or it's the government. The government doesn't have the right to say, Jack, you sit there in the corner and you shut up and you take my extortion fee off my receipts. It's bad enough these idiots who are, are, are hoping the government raises the minimum wage can't understand it's a trick so government makes more money on less people because it's an admission of failure of government policy. What the government knows, and they don't want you to know, is that there will be more empty stores. There will be more bankruptcies. There are more delinquencies. Why are there more delinquencies? Because their scheme, called the Federal Reserve, is bankrupting people by the day. Because they're giving us the exact opposite medicine this economy needs. The exact opposite. They're drastically raising costs. On all of these people's short-term loans, on their credit cards, most of whom have been living on their credit cards because of the Biden policies destroying the value of your dollar. They refer to it as inflation. But what it is is wealth destruction. You could call it a hidden tax. You could call it whatever you want. What it should be called is government failure real time so that every man and every woman can understand it. But who cannot understand it? 
are these elitists, these imbeciles who've never bought their own gas, these inside trading profiteers of bankruptcy, profiteers of failure, and profiteers of corruption, like Jerome Powell. He spoke today, he was on uh, in their little committee meetings, and there's a uh, Republican named Ted Budd. Ted Budd asked a very simple, very basic question and exposed a very obvious lie, if you're paying attention. The good news is this will not affect one Democrat voter because the Democrat voter is either like Jerome Powell and profits from the roaches who think the government is helping them the same time they're putting them out of work. Chairman, thank you again for being here. According to the Congressional Budget Office, the federal government will spend an average of $545 billion per year, which was the estimate before rates went up. And these- Think about what he's saying. $540 billion a year before the increase. So you're going to roughly be at about $630 billion a year to just pay the interest on national debt. That's why they need to raise the minimum wage. They need to steal more money from the private workforce so they, in good conscience, can backdoor nationalize it through an unconstitutional mandate of, of paying your workers. They're on interest payments on the $31 trillion of national debt. So that's $545 billion is more than we spend on the Department of Veterans Affairs. So given that the national debt is currently at about 125% of GDP, with the Fed... Now, let's, let's break this down because there may be a moron Democrat that is accidentally listening, not knowing I don't accept their listenership. That means that the government is spending 125% more than the entire country makes and produces. That is the definition of bankrupt. And now the guy who is in charge of the entire financial structure, he's going to tell you, that's all right. That's commitment to tackle inflation. Would that be limited by rising interest rates, making the servicing of the national debt even more expensive? No. No? Did he say no? I think he just said no. Chairman, thank you again. Let's listen to the whole thing again. According to the Congressional Budget Office, the federal government will spend an average of $545 billion per year, which was the estimate before rates went up. And these are on interest payments on the $31 trillion of national debt. So that's $545 billion is more than we spend on the Department of Veterans Affairs. So given that the national debt is currently at about 125% of GDP. My God. With the Fed's commitment to tackle inflation, would that be limited by rising interest rates, making the servicing of the national debt even more expensive? No, absolutely not. Explain that. No, absolutely not. What this guarantees is that we will look back at this time, which is the worst time in this country, really, since the Depression, but let's call it the 40 years. We will look back on this time right now, and we will think, boy, oh boy, there were some deals back then. No, we are, you know, we're not in a situation where we need to consider fiscal questions like that. The, you know, the U.S. is on an unsustainable fiscal path. So wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not in a situation when we have to consider that, that we are spending more than the country is generating by 125%. But we are on an unsustainable path. You want to, this is when people say you're talking out of both sides of your neck. This is what it means right here. Meaning the debt is growing faster than the economy. 
but it's not in an unsustainable position. We can service our debt, and the markets understand that, and we, we can conduct our policy without, without thinking about questions of fiscal sustainability. And you, we do. you do not have to be an accredited investor. You have to be just any guy on the street. Think about this as if you were sitting down and they were pitching you an investment into a business. And they told you that the business spends 125% more than it made on its best year. And it's going to continue to spend more than it makes. But we can afford the interest-only payments on the money you give us. Would you invest in that company? Would you invest in that company? The answer is, of course not. Not unless you were a trust fund baby like Pritzker, whose mother knew who to give a lap dance to and you never had to make money. But if you have to make money, you can't invest in that. And you know what that business I just described to you is? The United States of America. If the United States of America was a company, it would be filing bankruptcy. And this idiot's telling you it's okay because you can afford to pay the interest only on a continued spiral into bankruptcy. When your colleague, Secretary Yellen, was before this committee, she told me that federal debt, which was then about 105% of GDP, she said, quote, that's not a number that I think is fiscally irresponsible. So she didn't think it was irresponsible at 105%. And by the way, it's two years ago. So in two years, you added 15% more. The entire time that you were recouping, you were receiving record revenue. So it doesn't matter how much the government takes from you. It is going to continue to spend more. And at this pace, by the time Joe Biden is ripped out of office, you'll be at about 200% of GDP. And they're still telling you, not a problem. She also went on to say, quote, if interest rates are zero, we could substantially have a higher debt burden. And in the formula in the fall. So that's the bait and switch. This is the shell game. Like you were from Ohio. You got off of the, the bus in New York City in your pastel colors. And there's one of those New York Democrat gypsies playing find the queen. And they tell you, don't worry about it. It's fine. Zero percent. We can afford more. We can afford to spend more. And the same entity that lures everyone's confidence in and has politicians and morons chant for bankruptcy and give them the authority to continue to print more to their friends because they bought you off with $1,400 like a cheap whore. They bought you off for $1,400. But the corporations got billions. Some of the hedge funds got trillions. They told you it was fine because you were paying zero interest rate. Well, now what are you paying? And what's their solution? To continue to raise that? Meaning more and more people will be sucked into a welfare roach. And that's the goal. Because once you are, you become like those zombies in Chicago who are hoping they don't get 70 of them shot on a weekend, which is far more than they're going to lose in Ukraine. Following questions, she alluded to Japan and the fact that it could be about double of where we are now, meaning about 60 trillion dollars of debt if you use her math so now we're going to go to 60 trillion because japan did it yeah let's follow japan japan's off to a great economic path but japan has one thing that we don't have they have a bright future compared to ours because our politicians are guaranteeing this isn't a problem even if it was 60 trillion so all of our nonsense we hear from these so-called phony Republicans like Adam Kinzinger, and they're going to control spending and rip out Obamacare. It's all a lie. 
to get your money on top of the money they have to extort from you in the in the name of taxes. Don't give these Republican morons one dollar, one bit of your confidence until they understand that, number one, Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve scheme that we've been buying for 110 years has to be thrown right the hell out. 312-642-5600. Broadcasting from the Petri dish of corruption known as the state of Illinois. In the upper Midwest of the nation and around the world. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Zuckerberg warns his moron employees, his fascist, Marxist, fraud employees, prepare for big layoffs. Oh, there's, see, there's the silver lining. One says I have no silver lining. There's a silver lining. A bunch of these Mercedes Marxists are about to get thrown on their ass. They didn't deserve the job in the first place. Corey Woodlawn. Hey, thanks. I've got two quotes to write quick, Sean. One is that Charles Lindbergh Sr. specifically said that through inflation and deflation, they will rob the average American of their wealth and no one would know the wiser. And uh, Michael Douglas said in uh, Money Never Sleeps that the government is like an ex-wife. They already got 50% of the money. They're trying to figure out how to get the other 50%. (laughs) That's one of my favorite movies. I love that. And, you know, the shame of it is, is you're destroying the opportunity for our kids and our grandkids. And, you know, we're, we're grandkids of people that had to go through a depression. A government doubled down on depression. Our depression here in America lasted to World War II because the politicians in charge made all the wrong choices. All of these same choices. So what that means is the only thing that's going to get us out of it is what, another World War III? Kind of makes sense of a lot of our foreign policy, though, doesn't it? Yes, sir. And you know what that makes me and you? Because we're not in on this C-suite scam. That makes me and you the pigeons, the paupers, the, the fodder for their follies. And I am not comfortable with that, Corey. That is not the way it's supposed to be. It is time to throw every one of these politicians that bankrupted the richest country out on their ass. Every one of them. Thank you, Corey. Yes, sir. That's what has to be done. This country needs an enema. And where you insert the hose is Washington, D.C., in case anyone's wondering. Mitchell displains. Uh, Sean, first of all, pay no attention to the fact that we have Fed Elbert and delusional uh, Lori Lightfoot who want to tell everybody how safe our streets are. Yeah, that's a real crock. First of all, you're talking about the financial reset. It's already started. The fact of the matter is that when big tech starts saying that they're going to have a layoff, that's, that gives them what I call carte blanche yeah. to basically reduce their overhead. Okay. And the bottom line is that because the stock market and the NASDAQ, obviously you know this very well, just like I do. Okay. That's why we're really intelligent because we do our homework. The fact of the matter is it gives big tech an opportunity to cut their losses. And at the same time, they know there's going to be a reuptake. So that's how people made the most money during the Great Depression, yeah. during the fall of 2008, yeah. okay, during the tech boom. You have to understand, the financial reset is based on what I call big 500 corporations, Fortune 500 companies that know exactly what they're doing. Because in 1929, do you think people got what I call money to stay in those apartments in New York? Or, of course not. Mitchell, you know, what I, you, know what I, you know what I heard that makes a lot of sense? I heard a long time ago. About nine months ago, 11 months ago, Zuckerberg had personally taken a short option position on his own company. Can you imagine that? Makes a lot of sense. Kind of like what the Democrat politicians have done to our country. They must have had a short 
option play on the future of America. Rich, Indian Head Park. All right, Rich. Hey, Sean, how are you tonight? Good. How are you, buddy? Listen, I, I want to change the subject a little bit. All right. Uh, Biden went overseas to the uh, yeah, I got it. Uh, NATO conference, uh-huh. and uh, he made statements that the U.S. is uh, is still uh, tops in the uh, in the world as far as the leadership goes. And then he turns around and he uh, attacks our uh, Supreme Court. Yeah. I just wonder, what do you think other countries think about this? I think he, he just, I think he just made he just made the dumbest bartender ever in government, AOC, look smart. That's what he was doing. See, it's not so bad. AOC's not so smart as long as you're looking at Joe Biden and the rest of the Democrat lying morons like Elizabeth Warren. Wait till you hear her clip. Should I give him a little taste or we, do we go along? Two senators, if we pick up two Democratic senators who will help us get rid of the filibuster, which the president has now said he's on board for that. Let's go full fascist. AOC wants to get rid of the Supreme Court. Elizabeth Warren wants to get rid of our representative republic. And Joe Biden's too stupid to figure out why his socks are wet. Yeah, and it's going to be great. 312-642-5600. Marxists, socialists, and communists are not welcome. On the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. So a friend of mine texted me, he's like, I, you know, haven't we learned this lesson about government minimum wages? This has been an argument that this country's had for 60 years. We beat them back for a while, but that was before the Marxist mafia really took over. And they put this dimwit in diapers as a figurehead, this moron Biden. So why do they raise it? He says, you know, why would they possibly do it? Well, number one, they raise revenue for themselves on the few jobs that still can manage to hold on. And number two, it runs a, a veil. It's a, it's, a, it's a cover for their labor extortion mafias of unions. So this way, it normalizes extremely high costs for labor. That's why they do it. Otherwise, if you didn't have one, you'd have true competition, right? And then the guy who owned the business could decide what to pay people. And if he has a lambone, which is every government worker, yeah, that's right, I'm talking to you, fatso. Lambone who sits on his ass and grows a love handle on his neck. He could say, hey, you chubby, you're fired. But before you know it, what's going to happen is there's going to be restrictions on firing. Oh, but there is. Right now, they tell you how to run your business. You don't run your business. But there's a way if you're a small business, make all these idiots your partner. Make them their partner. Let them share in the real profits. Teach everyone Econ 101 the hard way so that maybe they understand when a country is communist and socialist, the only place you can really work and the only one percenters and the only place people thrive, it's in the government. Like in Chicago. Is it better to sit in one of those pension incubator trucks or work your ass off to fund that and these communist teachers through property taxes? Which one is it? Tom, Blue Island. Hey, Sean, buddy, I hope you have a happy fourth. I was wondering if you could explain to me why when you and I were around 16, the minimum wage was 305 an hour, and I had money to lend my brothers. And now I'm 54, and it's going to be 16 bucks an hour, and uh, well, i got to figure out a way to make it through working 100 hours a week. It's funny. They're, they're also trying to hide inflation, right? And what they what the people who are excited about this do not understand is that that $15 an hour that you're excited about, that $15 an hour, it does not equal $10 an hour three years ago. 
That's the kind of devastation that this, these policies have done. But they know how to slap and tickle, right? They're going to slap you with their policies, and then they'll tickle you on the bottom so you feel real nice. Ooh, look it. We gave all, the, all of you people who shoot for minimum, we gave you a little raise. And the people who think that's a win and who will continue to vote Democrat, they can't figure it out. They're stupefied by life itself, getting dragged around. Alan, Chicago. Hey, what's going on there, Sean? Not much, Alan. How are you? Defund teacher pensions. How about we get that with their attention? Uh, yeah, you got a better. First of all, there's nothing to defund. The pension, you know this, better. the pension's a scheme. It goes to the money bundlers who charge that thing 14 different times what it would cost in the private sector because nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares how much money they make because the payout isn't based on the return on investment. It's based on a formula of corrupted math. So that's a yeah, great yeah. skin. Like, you the, can't beat like, like the inflation figure, right? Like right. this inflation figure. You go back and to the 80s, we, 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 it's over 15%. You know, and it makes it's it. And the feds were. It's the feds where it one it still has one handle on it. Yeah. The Fed is reckless too. Oh, it's insane. Jerome Powell admits as much. Jerome Powell admits this guy this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Here, hang on one second. I want you to hear the rest of what he had to say. So do you agree with Secretary Yellen that having a national debt of over one hundred percent of GDP is fiscally responsible, given that interest rates can change and that historically low interest rates can't always be expected? I, I guess I would say it this way. We we're not on a sustainable path, and we haven't been for some time. And that means that the, simply that debt, debt's growing faster than the economy. By definition, that is unsustainable. There will be. And now he's going to tell people to continue to print the money. It is the. It is yeah. literally what the Weimar Republic did. Jerome Powell is articulating. It's it's like the bizarro world. Poverty. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the good news, Alan. We could tell our kids and our grandkids how it once was. Thank you very much, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, Hoffman Estates, Mark. Hey, what's going on, Sean? Not much, brother. How are you? Real good. First time calling in. Oh. And I, I just wanted to pass along a little note for you, brother, because, uh, you know, this is the first time calling and stuff like that. But my doctor wanted to thank you for reducing my blood pressure and <laughs> taking some of my stress level down. Because I go home and I, I want to destroy a few things, but I'd like to get my hands around that fat guy's neck. Yeah. Well, good luck. You must have some big hands. Because if you can get him around that neck, brother. Mark, <laughs> that's what we're here for. Because there's more. See, this is what I used to do. I used to think, is everyone this stupid? And the reality is no. There's a lot of us. We're the ones that make the world go around. We're the ones that see the scam. That's what I do here. I slay the propaganda. That's given out by 99% of the other morons who are going to regurgitate talking points of destruction and tell people we're winning. I'm not going to do that. This show is for me and for you and for our small group of listeners. I'm not out here telling you, I want everybody to listen to me. No, because what Joe Biden and the Democrats prove is that we've got more than half of this country are stone morons or corrupt. That's the only explanation for the modern Democrat mafia. You're either too stupid to see what they're doing, or you're in on the scam, and that makes you a predator on morons. Normally, you have to join the Chicago Teacher Union to get on that gig. Mark Wyamiller. Hey, Sean, I'm just heading to the Evergreen Park July 4th parade, but you might see me in the news because I, I monitored the uh, drop box at Wrigley Field yeah. all day Tuesday. They uh -huh. had uh, drop-in voting at Wrigley Field. Did you hear anything about it? 
No, I don't pay attention to that sewer. Aside from what Lori Lightfoot saying, F. Clarence Thomas, and then that moron. Lori Lightfoot with her phony uh, male pattern baldness and her detective costume for men in the 30s comes out and says impeach Joe Biden as if she had any credibility outside of that sewer of Chicago. She doesn't understand that outside of Chicago, she's a punchline. She has no credibility. The rest of this nation looks at her like a dog who hears a whistle distant in the future with their head turned going, what's that? And the thing about Lori Lightfoot, if a dog went up to her to sniff her, He'd sniff her face, not her derriere, because that's what it looks like. 312-642-5600. Call Sean now. 312-642-5600. AM560. The answer. We have to uh, get a handle on what private property is. Even corporations are private property. The idea that these incompetent moron corrupt politicians can take over corporations and virtually destroy them with policy is the most anti-american thing i've ever heard the idea that this government can even set a minimum wage who's the boss i'm the boss not Lori lightfoot in her man costume if i own the business i decide what to pay my people not you and if they don't want to work then i have no employees But see, this is what built the country. There was no minimum wage. This introduction to socialism is a new concept in America because in uh, the last hundred years is when it really came about. But this notion that government is helping, this is exactly what European governments have done. The reason I fight so hard against this, I don't want to be a European country. They suck. There's a reason that when you go shopping in, I don't know, pick Italy. Italy's still my favorite, still beautiful, best food, bar none. When you go shopping, you have to only go at a couple certain hours because they're not open from 9 to 9 or 9 to 6 the way American businesses are open. They go home for siesta and lunch and to date their mistress. That's what they do. You know why? They can't afford the minimum wage. Did you know that? Do you know why? You know the story about Pavarotti, right? I love I love Pavarotti. Love him. Luciano Pavarotti. The best of the best of the best, except for Francisco. You know who he is? That's the old man. See, they were bakers. They were bakers, and they couldn't afford to hire an employee because Italy decides what you pay. Italy decides what you get to keep. It's getting more and more like that here. So this is what happens. Family businesses really become family businesses. And the kids of the kids and the kids, and they have no choice because they have to be bakers. Thank God Luciano Pavarotti said, I don't want to. Be a baker, Dad. And I don't care if you ever talk to me again. I'm going to be a singer. Just the way you wanted to be a singer, Dad. And he went on and he brought joy to hundreds of millions, if not billions of people. Everybody knows Pavarotti's name. Nobody knows his father's name. Except for the Pavarotti part. Aren't you worried? Aren't you interested in what that takes out of life? To have a government that destroys livelihoods? Destroys the concept of property ship of ownership of businesses every time i think of when government adds a cost destroys another business raises a cost to a consumer all of which is what they do in order to hide their own failure i think about the luciano pavarotti story because i i think he really was the best unless of course you ever heard his father luciano always had a very beautiful voice subtle high His father, Fernando Pavarotti, 
had a voice just as beautiful. He was the greatest tenor that I've ever heard, an exceptional voice. In 1957, Fernando Pavarotti sang La Giana in Cork. I remember the incredible high notes. The maestro gave us the pitch for La Giana. I took it even higher. It was chilly with a little more fat. This recording you're hearing is from the 50s. In a room with the technology of the 50s. See, everybody can argue money. We can all argue money and most people don't give a rip. But what does bad policy steal from humanity? high seas. Right, Fernando? An Irish newspaper ran the headline, Fernando is a world-class tenor. He would have been a great opera singer if he had studied. No, not if he had studied. If the government hadn't accost his parents the opportunity to let his son, their son do what he wanted to do. This is what happens. This is why you do not follow European socialism. You do not follow European government rulers. We're Americans. We tell the government what we're going to pay. What, I, I am amazed at the complacency. And the morons in Chicago. What's that bimbo's name on nine? Micah? She just reports it? Uh-huh. With her waxed cleavage? It's despicable and disgusting to me. Joel and Glencoe. Joel. All right. Hey. Yeah, you there, kid? Sorry. I, I, got, yeah, I know. There's a delay. Go Sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. The... Uh, I know you're absolutely right about Micah, but that that's yeah. Sam Zell at work. Because remember when he bought the Tribune? Yes, yes, that was yes. him at work. Uh huh. He was that's him at work. And why do they put him on Fox? I I, I didn't know who's on Fox. I, well, all, all of a sudden we went into an Abbott. I don't know who's on first. Micah's on second. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred. I'll be back. Broadcasting from the Petri dish of corruption known as the state of Illinois. In the upper Midwest, in the nation, and around the world. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. I love the opportunity to talk to my next guest. Been involved in American politics, major, major cases since the 70s. He's the author of Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat. But aside from that, in the 80s, he was involved in the savings and loan crisis. He was also involved in the 70s with uh, the government and OPEC. In the 90s, he represented California with the litigation between the tobacco industry. 
I mean, you've been everywhere, done everything. His name is John O'Connor. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know we're supposed to talk about the Maxwell case, but I really don't care about that scoundrel. What I want to talk to you about is what do the people do when politicians who were sworn to uphold the Constitution attack the Supreme Court? What are we supposed to do? Well, one of the things we should be doing is we should be calling them out. Now, if you're on the Sean Thompson show, uh, that's great. You'll do that. However, I'm not so sure everybody in the country's doing that. Uh, do you think, Sean? Well, I, I don't think, think so. No, but I think um, I think people are intimidated by what they see, and what I see is not just necessarily Democrats, although it's it's 100 percent of them. It's it's also a large part of Republicans who are more interested in undermining the principles of of what America and Americanism stands for, the idea that the citizen is the one that is to be in charge rather than the rulers. And, and we are living through a time when so many lawyers who swore to uphold those principles of Americanism and the individual and the citizen being in a representative republic, and they don't want to use law as my shield, and they're very, very comfortable using it as their spear. And that's the part that bothers me. Well, you know, what I would say about the Republicans you talk about is the Republicans have always been polite people, mostly genteel, you know, and they it really works when the other side does the Saul Alinsky bit and yell at any Republican who takes a contrary stance, and they get intimidated, and they want to be liked. They want to go to a cocktail party and not have their yeah. wives or husbands intimidated or looked down upon. Nobody likes eggs being thrown at them. And it's a normal human tendency, but that's what the other guys do so effectively. You know, you don't. Do you ever see Republicans storming somebody's table at a at a restaurant and yelling at them? No, no. I think it's that's a. That's not right. It's that's a, not right. It's really kind of a character, dignity, self worth issue, and what you're seeing is a division in the country, and this um this these last few um, Supreme Court judgments really kind of bring it out. And, you know, living in Chicago, I have a leg up on it. We see it. I've, I've seen it through the course of my life. But what I'm concerned with, John, is that people have a tendency to welcome a servitude they can tolerate rather than the uncertainty of a freedom in which they might fail. And isn't that we're at that crossroads. And, and the way that I see it, John, I don't think we can go another election cycle and have totalitarian despots pretend to be caring and virtuous continue to destroy the principles of, of our republic well let me carry that out for you sean i mean right now uh and my big thing is people not speaking up and and the other side not letting them speak up the the far left not letting people speak up and intimidating them but what happens is we have a guy like biden and then i don't think there's any doubt about it. it's just common sense tells you that he's managing the decay of America, managing, uh, managing the failure. You cannot have everything in our economy that is based upon fossil fuel. I'm not just talking about gas in your tank. That's what people think. But if you look at a skyscraper, that's you need coal to make the steel. You need a lot of energy to make that concrete. Oil, the concrete, uh, yeah. Oil, concrete, yeah. If you go to a hospital, everything's made of plastic, hard or soft. Every um, surgical instrument just about, or stainless steel. And all of this requires energy, energy, energy. And if we're going to help Africa, we need energy, energy, energy. All the little devices, the device I'm talking to you on now, which is more powerful than the biggest computer was 50 years ago, mm -hmm. 
it's make, it's, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to make this. Now, what are we doing? We have a, a president who's, you know, keeping us from making this abundant energy, from producing it. We still need it. So that what we do is we buy it from the worst people in the world who produce it in the dirtiest fashion. So supposedly this is supposed right. to help the environment. But, but, but my point is, Sean, is what we're doing is pe- people don't want to be embarrassed to speak out and yell out about what's happening. And so we all kind of go, not we all, but an awful lot of people kind of go along with it. The media is, is like a bunch of sheep. And so you have the media, then you have a lot of people, and nobody wants to yell and scream. That's bad. Now, if Trump's in office and Trump uh, has a mean tweet, oh, my gosh, let's all get up in arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. But now here we have something really substantive happening to us bad, that, that is bad. And what do we do? Oh, everybody's – let's not say anything. We've got a corrupt uh, – obviously a corrupt son. Perhaps a corrupted father. That's the oh. real bugaboo. That's the real. Uh, Put me down for a hundred on corrupt father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I mean, come on! And you know the fact that the fact that he does. Oh no! I'm, he's my son. I really just he's my favorite son. I love my son. I've been close to my whole life. But no, I never asked him what he does for a living. Yeah. He's been on a plane with me for days to go to China and other places, usually uh, where there are corrupt people in power. But uh, I've never asked him what he's doing. Uh, so, but but all of us, not all of us, but us, uh, too many people sit back and watch as we're going off the cliff. We are going off the cliff and people are not speaking up. And that's why when free people no longer are free when they don't speak up. And that's my big thing about the media. If the media would lead the charge as they should, just with facts, I'm not saying that they should have. Oh, we'd be so much better off. Just facts, facts, so that everyone could say, oh, is this so? Let's do something. If the media would have stories about, you know, what what, uh, not drilling is costing us. Uh, If people would have stories about how climate change has not been proven to the degree that is posited by computer programs, and that's that's a fact. Oh, John, I, this uh, is a this is a topic I take it on every day. First of all, it is the greatest swindle on mankind. It's been proven wrong for seventy years of just reality. But here's the thing, John: we have a we have a good spot. The EPA decision yesterday, to me, is something to capitalize on. Because the EPA, in my mind, and has been for years, is completely and totally unconstitutional as to its budget, as to its power, because it is it was created by an executive order of Nixon, right. scoundrel that he was, right. created that or that organization through fiat. I want to tear right. that whole damn thing down, along with everything he created and others, and make the Congress make it happen by passing it the right way in a representative republic. Is this not the first crack? And, you know, I'm an old street fighter. I'm not big, but I knock out a lot of big guys because I don't just stop with the jab. We got them down. Now let's polish them off. This is the time companies should say, now you have no authority and ignore every regulation they have. What do you think about that? Well, I'll tell you this. uh, the, The EPA, I think, was a wonderful organization at the very beginning when it was needed. It's yeah. like a lot of other things. They're it's good like when they're needed, and then they stay around when they're not needed. Yeah. Uh, I was actually, the fellow who started this was my father's law partner from Indianapolis, a fellow named Ruckel's House, and I happened to be clerking for him at the time when he got the call from the White House to name him that. I know. Ahead of it. And what, and what he was going to do, Sean, I'll tell you this, 
he's a fisherman, used to fish up in, uh, you know, northern, uh, northern uh, Michigan a lot. Uh, and he was, he wanted to clean up water. And that's his main thing. He, to, he told me, look, they're despoiling Lake Superior. They're dumping uh, uh, tailings into the water. I'm going to cut that up. Well, he did that. You know, the river in uh, Cleveland doesn't go on fire anymore. But he who governs best governs least. And what Rothelsass did was the basics. He cleaned our air and our cleaned the water. We should we should have said, job done. <laughs> no, and you know, John, all, all tyrannies are good intention. They all start out that way. Everything starts out that way. But if you could fast forward to now and show him, too bad we didn't have a time machine. You could show him this corrupt fraud, Gina McCarthy. And as she gave a speech two days ago, and she says, we are winning, as she points to solar and wind scams that are completely subsidized by poor people who can never afford it. I guarantee you, and you know him better than I do, you knew him. I guarantee you he'd say, I'll clean the river on my own on my own accord. Well, that's right. One of the things, think about what the government did before Gina McCarthy came along. During Obama, they regulated CO2. Now, let's think about that. Did anybody think when they were passing these regulations with the EPA doing whatever they did, that the, the very breath that we emit can be every every living mammal emits CO2 mm-hmm. is going to be regulated. What? And that's also something that every um, every living organism uh, takes in for part of its respiration, for part of its food, and we're going to regulate that? That's part of the process. Oh, let's regulate oxygen while we're at it, and let's regulate the nitrogen in the air. It's so extreme. Now Gina McCarthy comes along. And think about what she's done. She has actually taken action to make sure that people do not speak about the costs of climate change and the problems with uh, – and, and the fact that uh, all the climate change things that they're proposing really won't have any benefits. So if you talk about the costs versus benefits, that's bad because that discourages her climate agenda. Well, what she's saying is – we are putting forth a lot of proposals that will cost a lot but won't do anything and will only drag down the economy. And now the answer is is not to have a good discussion about it and act correctly. The, the idea is to shut up, shut people up who are, who are saying the king has no clothes. Yeah, and this is Soviet Union stuff. All over the place. I yeah. mean, this, this yeah, has to sure. drive you crazy. You're an attorney. You, oh. The idea that the, the American government is, is, is performing in the fashion of the Soviet Union in the 70s. I mean, this is the same stuff. You can have an opinion as long as it's ours. Otherwise, we've got a problem with you. And we're going to use our bureaucracies to extort, intimidate, and, and punish you. I mean, am I wrong? That's exactly it. The whole idea of the Soviet method of communication is they call it democratic centralism. Once they make a decision, which, of course, is very democratic, once you do it, then you have to follow it or you're out of the party. And so and then everyone has. And and if you don't follow that, then you are an enemy of the people. So this whole idea of the enemy of people is not something Donald Trump started. It's something that uh, the uh, communists started. And the fact is, is Trump uh, once again hits a nail on the head when he says that people who stop our public discussion from occurring freely and fairly are the enemy of people. I think that's true. I just, In a democracy, a democracy feeds on information. We want information. We want facts. And that's exactly what we're being deprived of all the time. 
now, all the time. And in fact, I think your guys out there wasn't Saul Alinsky a Chicago guy? Oh, of course Sean? he was. I'm I'm broadcasting from the communist capital of America. This sewer of corruption is the nucleus of, of American communism, and it always has been, and that's why you see the under-over on chaos is if 70 people don't get shot this weekend, it's a good weekend. Um, John, the other thing, too, is I want to tear it apart. So the way I tear it apart is the way they put it in. I think a lot of what America is facing is a direct ramification of Saul Alinsky's very own, Chicago's very own, the president with the worst credit rating in presidential history, Barack Obama, who was a good-for-nothing gopher for the Chicago Mafia. And what does he do quietly? He quietly puts in these seeds of socialism and Marxism to blossom to where we are today, where we are now in this forest that nobody can get out of. And I think one of the cornerstones was in 2012, when he um, put forward the propaganda law, SMMA, I can't remember the full name of it, Smith, Mundant, or whatever. You remember he passed it because up until then, this country had a, had a law that American propaganda could not be given to the American people. See, this is something that went on during the Cold War. We, we gave propaganda, the Soviets had propaganda, and the rest of it. But in this country, American propaganda could not be espoused by the government. You now have a government that has taken its intelligent agencies, infiltrated social media, Twitter, Facebook, and the rest, and they've been forcing out this propaganda. Now, fast forward 10 years, and they're comfortable with putting a misinformation bureaucracy, which would make Stalin blush. Isn't this because we need to rip it out from that 2012 propaganda law? I want to get that son of a gun Back, I don't want the government to be allowed to propagandize the people the way it was from the conception of the country to 2012. Well, think about what he does. I mean, so many people are buffaloed by the guy because he has sort of a slow, deliberate speaking style. He, he of course, is reasonable because he's so reasonable in his tone. And then, of course, he says reasonable things like, oh, well, there's all this sewage out there, sewage of information. Uh, We've got to moderate it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a nice way of saying we're going to keep some people from talking yeah. and from communicating. Ideas that I don't like, I, Barack Obama, don't like, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. And I'm going to stop them, and that's what I'm trying to get everybody to do. And if you will talk to people now with straight faces that seem like they're intelligent, and you ask them, well, what about, what about you've heard, heard uh, Barack Obama talking about misinformation and disinformation? What do you think about that? Oh, yeah, we need to moderate content. I mean, we can't let people... Uh, say anything, just anything, uh, we've got to go uh, moderate it. Well, guess what? <laughs> now now where that leads us is, of course, that back to full circle to uh, uh, to, to Hunter Biden. And, uh, well, you know, I guess we've got to uh, get rid of this whole idea of the laptop because it's disinformation. We're not going to publish it, and we're yeah. going to keep other people from publishing it. So think about that. We have a country in which and nobody seems too upset about it. I mean, there are, obviously there are people like you and me are and some of your – uh, solid core there, but but the vast majority of people don't. They don't understand what's happening. And oh, it's John. really very frustrating to me. John, um, they also listened to Barack Obama because they were intimidated by his wife, who looks like a bouncer at the Bijou. But I wanted to ask you, <laughs> you have any new books coming out or anything? What do you got going? I, I, I do. The one I just published, as a matter of fact, it's called The Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened. And the reason I'm writing it is because... The founding story of modern journalism is the post-Watergate journalism. That's, That's its it. charter of legitimacy, 
And yet what I show in the book, I tell people very step-by-step what really happened, you know, not, not, not just histrionic conclusions, but facts. It's very intriguing. It's almost like a mystery novel. But then and show how the Post uh, kept those uh, facts from being known. And um, really, if people understood that that's what happened in Watergate, then the whole foundation for this modern media is destroyed. So that's why I wrote Mysteries of Watergate. It's very entertaining, but people have to learn it, because if we don't knock out the foundational story... No, I love that. Really, and the foundational story really is, hey, listen, if you're really a good reporter... You learn how to kind of be really smooth and help our side, our side. Well, guess what? When you omit facts or distort them, what you're doing is you're committing a thing that lawyers call in any other sphere of the world fraud. Yeah. You can't conceal a fact. You can't keep a little bit of footnote off of the uh, off of the uh, uh, man. Oh, man. If we could only make that the law of the land. We could eliminate the entire Democrat Party and 80% of the Republicans. See, this is what I need you to work on, John. Come on. That's why I'm doing this. I've spent a lot of time working on this, and I just hope people... Okay, look, if you want to make a small fortune writing books, start out with a large fortune. You know, so I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm writing this book to help people. I'm, I'm, I'm too old to care, and I don't know if I'm on the back nine or a playoff hole, but I'm, I'm writing these books... So that people will will read them and, and take heed. When these journalists go to journalism school after Watergate, they all went to change the world. But if you go to change the world, by definition, you can't tell a story that hurts your team. John, you join the team. I love it. I don't know what hole you're on, but it's been a hell of a round, and I'm proud of you. What's the name of the book? One more time. Uh, the mysteries of Watergate: What really happened. John O'Connor, thank you so much for joining me. You know, I'm going to call you up again. Thank you. I, I'd love it, Sean. Thank you. It's a blast. Take care. You too. We'll talk to you after this. I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. This is the Sean Thompson Show, where Democrats are always wrong, Republicans are seldom right, and politicians are never, ever to be trusted. On AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Fourth of July weekend. You know, these are always hard. We went through eight of them with Obama. The holidays that are steeped in uh, where we're supposed to celebrate the principles of America as they're being bastardized are hard when a Marxist mafia Democrat is in office. But we always get by. Because ultimately, this country is founded on beating the principles that the Democrat mafia stands for. We are not to be ruled. We are to be represented. We're the boss. So we just have to take it on the chin a little while. What do we got? I mean, how much longer could this moron keep meandering around? Did you see him embarrass himself? Did you see it? I, uh, I, I think people are going to be shocked when the first state, the first state that tries to arrest a woman for crossing a state line to get uh, health services. Just keep lying. Nobody's going to arrest you, you, you fracking liar. You fraud. Yeah, we're going to arrest you. No, no, no. What we're saying is there are certain states that are too good for your murderous Democrat policies. That's all. See, we're tired of pretending that this is acceptable. It's like when I heard Lori Lightfoot comment on what she thinks the failure, if I'm kind, corrupt fraud 
if I'm aware, what she thinks about the Supreme Court. Are you out of your mind? You are governing a ghetto. It is a ghetto in chaos. Shut your mouth, freak. Keep your opinions to yourself. We have to listen to what they uh, what they think about anything. Imagine what we could do if we for child care in a city like Philadelphia, New York, the big city, Chicago, cost you twelve to fourteen thousand dollars a month for child care. Twelve to fourteen thousand a month. That's all right. It's probably one of those. What do you call it? Dementia slips. Just today, uh, Snake Island is uh, now taken over by the uh, by the Ukrainians. So. We are going to stick with Ukraine and all of the alliances are going to stick with Ukraine as long as it takes to, in fact, make sure that they are not defeated by, uh, by Ukraine. You hear that? Make sure that Ukraine isn't defeated by Ukraine. There he is in all his Democrat glory with his wet socks. Let's make sure Ukraine is not defeated by Ukraine. Is he talking about the Civil War when the Ukrainian Nazi-infested government was killing the Russians? And the, and the Jewish Russians? Is that what he's talking about? No, no, no. He's talking about now your $60 billion. $60 billion. Teresa, Gold Coast. Hi, Sean. Uh, first of all, before I get to my comment, I want the Impeach 46 shirt you wore yesterday. So I was I at the golf that. outing, and these two wonderful guys came up, and they gave me the shirt, and I was mad that I didn't uh, copyright it, but I'm not sure they did. So my lawyer's checking into it. So you may be able to buy it right here when I get the copyright. However, if they beat me to it, I'll let you know what their name is. No, All right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go, ahead. Good. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to say I believe Obama is running this country because Biden doesn't have two brain cells in his head. I mean, he's doing what Obama sure. and his cohorts tell him to do, and he's just a stupid robot. We have, you know, this is something that I get all the time. There is, Obama was, was a moron before he got to be the president. It's the cabal. Mm-hmm. You have to understand the ideology we're facing here. It's not one person. They're actually fungible. You see the same mm-hmm. thing happen as represented in New York. It's represented in California. The names are irrelevant. The problem we have is that there is an organized cabal of collectivists who have yeah. to sell that idea of a willful slavery to their people. And they have to put lipstick on their pig. So it doesn't matter who they get to sell it. It's the overall concept that we're fighting. This country was based on the exact opposite. We could never be infiltrated because from the lowest earner to the highest rich man, they had the same principle of freedom. Those days are gone. Those days are gone because you've bastardized it on every one of those levels. You bastardized the rich man. Because you convinced him that it's better to be part of a corrupt oligarch system than to face competition. So that's how you yeah. corrupt industries like the, the banking system or the oil industry, whatever. You've got these guys who should be defendants of capitalism. They should be defending it at every – they're now in with the corrupt government. And then you've got the poor people telling them, we're helping you. Sure, your life sucks and you live in the ghetto in Chicago, but we're just going to help you a little bit more and you're going to love it. So we've lost because we've been lazy ideologically, in our pushback against it. When the reality yeah, is, it doesn't absolutely. matter if it's Obama. It doesn't matter if it's Biden. It's all of the bureaucrats of Marxists behind them. And it's the concept. Do you want to be free? You got the, the, the weekend. You're supposed to be celebrating liberty. How many of yeah. us are going to celebrate liberty? And how many fat-ass municipal workers are going to celebrate their phony pension and their phony ghost jobs? 
That's the problem. The character of the country. Now, the, and what, what the government wants you to think is that it's because of gender or because of race. None of that is true. The best advocates right. for Americanism are often the poorest and what some people call minorities. Those are the best advocates, the people who will risk anything for freedom. The problem is you get to hide in those welfare roaches with them. Now we've got to figure out a way to make everybody understand you're not winning when the corrupt scoundrels are in charge. You're losing, and you're just made to be comfortable. And the, and the way you could see it is, is in the policies. If you need the government to give you a minimum, then congratulations, you're a minimum loser. Thank you very much. I appreciate the call, Teresa. See, that's what you have to do. Nobody should care about the minimum wage. It should be the business of no one. Because every American should be striving on owning the company, on getting ahead, on working whatever they have to work. And they should be more focused on why is everything so expensive? How did it get this way? And then maybe they'd look back. It's very simple. It's corrupt policies. It's failed politicians. It's Democrat roaches. Chad, Crystal Lake. What's up, Mr. Thompson? How are you, bud? Very good, Chad. Are you the guy that gave me a shot? I am. Good to uh, hear you on air. Appreciate it. Uh, where'd you guys wear them yesterday? I just heard I, the lady. I, I, nice wore the, I wore the golf shirt you gave me yesterday because when I come to nice. Illinois, most of my clothes are in Florida, and I was running light on, on uh, shirts. So it was either that or I do a oh. topless Thursday, which I'm willing to do. What's the name of the no, site well, where the people the, can go? Let shirt. me give you a free plug here. Appreciate it, buddy. It's uh, impeach46store.com, impeach46store.com. And, uh, you know, we just we really want to try and get the message going. Honestly, not sure what the movement's going to do if it ever could. We know he'll go. Ms. Harris will pop in, and we go after her, and then we go after whoever. But we have to at least start saying something and being loud about it because it's right around the corner. So, all right, good. And you get were your sure. merchandise. Now, you know, I'm an I'm an old capitalist. You know, I own I don't know how many. I yeah. I, I used to buy business dot uh, com names, and I like holding them because they go up in value and whatnot. And then I've got uh, HighTideCream dot com, which is mine. And I've gone through the process, and it was a nightmare to get all this copyrights and stuff. You copyright this, right? Yep, it's in the process. Because right, I'd hate to have to charge you because my attorney's on uh, it, kid. It's a dangerous we're do your shirt. world. That's right. It's sharp elbows out there, Chad. In the meantime, where can they go That's... to get this shirt? <laughs> Impeach46store.com. All right, good. Impeach46store.com. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Don't worry. I'll make it more affordable than if you were a dem- tried to open a business in Chicago, a Democrat-run sewer. Anthony McHenry. Oh, Sean, thank you for taking my call. Before I get to my point, uh, this Fourth of July holiday where I'm going to celebrate is you, your show. Oh, you still, you. We still have the freedom and the liberty to speak our mind. And where we would be right now in this cesspool of Illinois without you, uh, you are a guiding light. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. Thank you. Thank you. I, and I'm a real estate broker if you can't take the heat. No, I'm kidding. Right, Go well, ahead. I, Go ahead. I in Arizona now. Anyway, my point was this. The Democrats accusing uh, Trump of insurrection. You know, they always do this, Sean. They always do exactly what they say. Exactly. And my point is, Pelosi wanted those people to come in the Capitol. She knew that Gosar was going to stand up and Cruz was going to also sign the letter. So there was going to be a debate. It was the last chance that this election could be looked we at. Have the clip, we have the clip where Trump says go peacefully, obviously. And then the story of the idiot 
the sorority girl. He tried to grab the oh, wheel of the beast. He's in the back of a limo, you dimwit moron. I mean, these Democrats will believe anything. Look at the people they elect. Look at the people they elect. What is wrong with the president saying, take me to the Capitol? He's the president of the United States. Why is he not allowed to go to the Capitol? First Capitol? of all, now, Anthony, now the thing is, do you notice how I don't? I didn't talk about it for two days? You heard, I mean, that's all you ever heard on a talk show. You know? right. Do you know why right. I didn't talk about it? It's not worth it. I've got a sorority bimbo spewing hearsay that she couldn't get a lawyer to take it up anywhere, even in a Democrat state. Where did she get the stage? In Washington, right. D.C., because those right. scoundrels would rather divert attention from the waste, right. fraud, and abuse that they perpetrate on the American people every single day. Anthony, I went long. Don't get mad at me. 312-642-5600. He believes in freedom, capitalism, and individual liberty. And because of that, he's become an enemy of the state. He's Sean Thompson, and this is The Sean Thompson Show on AM 560, The Answer. AM 560. The answer. America is going to survive. I hope so. I didn't know Trump has, uh, Trump has high blood pressure. It's wicked smart, that prop. He's got low T and high blood pressure. It's a complicated guy, isn't he? Not me. Kevin, Austin, Texas. Pete, two times. Sean, I was thinking about how Pritzker is trying to paint uh, Bailey is an extremist on abortion and that type of thing. And we all know nobody wants to talk about, uh, or a lot of people don't want to talk about politics, especially abortion this weekend. I do. That's all I ever talk about. I do, too. I do, too. But, you you know, you don't want to talk about it with your wife or anything like that. And they're going to go, oh, abortion, he's extremist, he's going to take it away. I think the quickest response to that is, do you really think the Democrats are going to make abortion illegal in in, uh, Illinois? No, you're always going to have a place in this country to go and kill your kid. They should let me do yeah, the commercials. Just, just, to, just to neutralize it and say, that's not the issue. The issue are the pocketbook issues. Anybody who's driving a Connolly car, uh, van today, coming home from work, needs to vote for Bailey. Wait, did you say a Connolly? What, did you grow up in Winnetka? Yeah, like a Connolly It's van. a Connolly, yeah, like for somebody who's God's a, sakes. A Connolly, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. If you're a painter, a mover, uh, a carpenter, somebody who works with his hands, and you're a, uh, you're, you, know, you, you pay bills, and you make sure yes if you're an american working man you don't want to have this idiot in charge of anything but you should be able to recognize this and the problem i have is that you no one you didn't think this was going to happen come on 14 trillion we knew what was going to happen you put this stupid son of a corrupt dog in office come on it's a joke now the problem is i got to listen to them now as they pretend to be representing who exactly here's their here's their whole argument hey if you want to kill your kid keep us in power if you like a fixed rigged union job keep us in power that's who their constituents are roaches the and the baby thing, murderers the biggest thing i'm confused about is why are people at the gay pride parade concerned about abortion? It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, anyway, listen, I hope you have a wonderful yeah. weekend. I mean, if, if first of all, if they were good at making decisions, would they be dressed in those ensembles they got prancing around on? I don't think so. Throughout my career, I have focused on the intersection between medical, <laughs> mental, and behavioral health. And as your ash, I will... You're not my ash. You're just a big ass. And you're a man dressed like a woman and apparently an admiral. I'll tell you what, they give that to anybody, don't they? All right, let's go to some of the clips, shall we? Uh, I got so much bad stuff from Chicago. So much bad stuff. Be, it was 15 people shot the day before the holiday. 
going into 15 people shot Thursday. The loop shooting, seven people shot, two dead. It's all depressing. Let's focus on where it's worse. Did you hear what's going on in L.A.? Well, lots of talk over the past few years of defunding the police. Tonight, West Hollywood has done it, voting to reduce the number of armed deputies and using the money it saved to hire unarmed security patrols. KKL9's Lori Perez. So wait a minute. So your tax money then, you're getting rid of the police and you have unarmed security patrol. (laughs) Oh, stop. Stop. They should have Rachel Levine chasing the guys down with with her skirt on. I'm in West Hollywood to fill us in. Lori. Well, Pat, it was a controversial vote and quite a turnaround. The city council actually went into budget negotiations on Monday with a proposal to add a deputy. But by the end of the meeting, they had approved a budget to cut funding for five deputies. So we were going to add a deputy. Uh, We're going to cut the funding for five. So here, look at it this way. As bad as it is in the sewer of Chicago, the Democrat-run failure, it's even worse than the other Democrat failure called L.A. We'll be back after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. We, um, unfortunately, mirror some of the totalitarian, socialist, Marxist, communist, Soviet countries more than we reject them. And that's the shame of it. Where is it taught? How did this happen? Used to be a time in this country uh, on college campuses when the chant was better dead than red. What they referred to is that it would be better to die fighting communism than be communist. Fast forward 30, 40, 50 years. It's hard to say what college campuses, what so-called higher learning, isn't infiltrated by the ideology of Soviets. It's interesting. I have, my next guest is a former university professor who's worked for 17 years for the Department of Health and Human Services. His name is Edward Bartlett. Soviet show trials come to America and college campuses. Edward, how are you? Thank you for joining me. I am great, Sean, and I might add that I'm a proud graduate of the U of I at the Chicago campus as well. What year? Oh, I'm not going to admit that fact, but uh, I've been around for a while. You wouldn't recognize the place, and if you ever come here, you call me. I have to come and save you because it's not a good area anymore. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But you saw it from the inside, and this is what I think is very, very interesting. I'm, I'm astonished at how the bureaucracies in America are so pro-fascism, so pro-collectivism. I, I, I can't believe it. And then I remember, uh, you know, here in Chicago, how government bureaucracies are infiltrated through ideological lines, not American-principled hires and people. Has that really taken over our whole nation? Well... I'll say this, Sean, that Marxist ideology has become more prevalent, far more prevalent than most Americans realize. And that's kind of across the board. It's certainly uh, in, in 
not, not all branches of government, but certainly at the Department of Education, to some extent the Department of Justice, and yes, in colleges and universities, to a to a really a stunning extent, we're seeing Marxist ideology as the the predominant ideology in many of these colleges. How many people even know that the idea of due process does not exist on college campuses? And I say this as the parent of two college kids. Well, even worse than that, Sean, if you ask people, well, what does due process really mean? I think you'll get a lot of confused expressions and, and shoulder shrugs. People really don't know what that, I mean, it comes, of course, directly from the 14th Amendment. Uh, but basically, due process means fairness. It means things like a uh, person being able to access the evidence. It means having a fair hearing having impartial investigations. All of these things are part and parcel of what we call due process. And um, it was it took the Trump administration and Betsy DeVos to kind of reestablish that on, on college campuses, which I have to tell you, I was reading your article. I cannot even believe that this had to be done, that they could have these mini little socialist utopias called college campuses where they pretty much can do anything they want and negate some of the founding principles of justice in the, in a country. It's astonishing to me. Well, I, I share your astonishment and this goes back. Well, let's, let's, let's explain title nine. Title nine is the federal law that's designed to ban sex discrimination in schools. And, of course, that's a good thing. We don't want sex discrimination in schools, whether we're talking about high schools or colleges. What's happened, though, and this is over the last 10 years, that Title IX has become politicized and then weaponized in order to promote a certain ideology. And that's where things have gone off the rails. So some of the things that... um that are happening that most people would be shocked by and uh, that were on the sidelines as recent as 18 months ago? Give us some examples. Well, let me give you actually an example not far from you uh, in Wisconsin. All right. Um, So, and this relates to the use of pronouns with transgender students. So there was a, there's a small town called Thiel, T-H-I-E-L, which is kind of north of Madison. And in that town, one of the eighth grade female students decided she wanted to be called them and they. and they. Mm-hmm. Well, she had a classmate, a male classmate, who said, no, I'm going to call you by your real name. Well, one thing led to another, and, and believe it or not, he was accused of sexual harassment solely because he refused to refer to this girl as they or them. And that, that was deemed to be a Title IX violation. So that's just, and that was, very, that was just last month in Wisconsin. So you can sense how far Title IX has become weaponized and politicized. You know what I find offensive, Edward? Is, it, it, it's not like this country was born or humanity was born yesterday. I come from a neighborhood that would have been called a tough neighborhood years ago. We had friends of ours that grew up in that neighborhood that were of all 
sorts of proclivities that we still considered friends and we still to this day do. We didn't need a government to come in and tell us how to get along, but there was a different principle when I was young. And that principle was I did not have to conform to anything anybody else wanted. You stay in your castle, I'll stay in mine. How did we get to a point where government, the municipal, and the state, and the county, and the, and the federal government now has the ability to get involved in something so basic as this? This is something where mothers would have handled it. Or in my old neighborhood, still it would happen. I don't care what your kid wants to be called. Mind your own business. Take little Nancy or Nate and and go back to your house. I really don't care. How are we this far down the prairie path of social engineering? Yeah, well, let's turn back the the hands of time 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, of course, Obama was the president. And so during his reign as president, um, his Department of Education enacted what's called the Dear Colleague Letter. That was actually 2011. And the Dear Colleague Letter, despite its very innocent-sounding name, was all about removing constitutional due process protections from male and mostly male students accused of some sort of sexual peccadillo at college campuses. And so, for example, this is just one example that, that you know, if, if you're in a court of law, typically you'll be judged according to, the, according to the clear and convincing standard of proof. Well, Obama changed that to the predominance, preponderance of evidence, which means 51%. It's a lot easier to convict somebody when you're looking at 51% rather than 70 or 80%. So, so this Dear, Dear Colleague letter really opened up the, the, the gates, really was a Pandora's box. As a result, there was a flood of lawsuits against these, by these male students who had been suspended and, and or uh, expelled from their colleges, uh, many of them in, in Illinois, and so they decided that they were not going to, they didn't want to be treated like, like uh, you know, a kangaroo court approach. And they sued their, their school, their former colleges. And more often than not, they won those lawsuits. So I've, I've summarized, you know, about 10 years of history in about three sentences. But that's actually what happened. You know, Edward, I'm looking, I'm looking at how you uh your your life, you were a former university professor, and I don't know what those years were, but I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, even so far as back as, uh, I, I only had a year of college. I didn't go to college for long. I, I enjoyed making a lot of money and I didn't like the experience. But one thing that, that happened in the 80s is that there was a, a, a prodding where there was, uh, they were welcoming arguments and they were teaching you how to make them and how to be suspicious, and how to go about your thought process. And then fast forward to now, and you see the the open frauds on our society. As more kids today are susceptible to the lie that is socialism, the lie that is government superiority. How does this happen when parents are your age, and parents are, are my age, and Parents are fought the Soviets and the socialists all throughout our 
history of our country. How in the world did we lose this argument among our youth? Well, that's a big question, Sean. But let's focus on how did how did colleges lose the concept of of freedom of speech? That's probably the best way to understand this. What's going on in college campuses? The way it became lost is that a group of people said, well, you know, we we really need to clamp down on free speech because in a socialist society, in order to control the population, you have to control their thoughts. And to control their thoughts, you have to control their speech. So, well, how do you translate that into a grand socialist plan? Well, this is what they did. So they said, oh, if you say certain things in a college or elsewhere that are that are offensive or unwelcome or upsetting, uh, I'm going to accuse you of sexual harassment. That's actually what happened to a professor at Northwestern University named Laura Kipnis. She published a couple editorials saying that the, the campus kangaroo court at Northwestern University was going just a little bit too far. Okay. She was only acting, you know, exercising her right to, to, to free speech. Well, a couple of students at Northwestern and Evanston said, you know what, that, that editorial is going to discourage future victims from, from filing a complaint at the college. So they, they actually filed a Title IX complaint against Laura Kittness. This really happened. And so the okay. university launched uh, a, about a year-long investigation. Of course, it was a farce. It was an absolute farce. But that's how you drive free speech out of the, the campus environment. That's a, it's just it's just, it's infuriating. Edward, it is infuriating because you're describing the exact issue, the exact problem, and you're also describing our exact reality as it sits today. And I don't know what's going to change it because when you look at our government and you worked and operated for the Department of Health and Human Services for 17 years, now has a budget, that entity, now has a budget of $131.8 billion dollars. And they're not fighting for the principles of Americanism. In fact, in my opinion, they're fighting to undermine it. So in your experience, do the American people even know what goes on in these bureaucracies? Well, I don't know if people understand. I mean, the Department of Health and Human Services, as you said, is a, not only it's a huge bureaucracy, it's, it's a sprawling bureaucracy, you know, in multiple locations and multiple buildings around the country. So, but maybe we can come back to the the campus issues because things could get worse because just last week, a week ago yesterday, uh, the Biden administration released a new draft Title IX regulation. All right. And this Title IX regulation defines sexual harassment so broadly, basically says anything a person says that is subjectively offensive or subjectively unwelcome, that in itself could become the basis of a Title IX complaint, right? <laughs> so, yeah. It's, so a guy like me, like I, I went to Starbucks before the show, and I don't know anybody's name, and I don't, you know, I, you know, I see these kids today, and I don't, you know, I, I, think it, I, it, I, I think it was a girl, and I say, thank you, honey, I appreciate it, and she gives me the drink. In today's college campus, if I, if I was 19 years old and I said, excuse me, honey, 
could I get uh, written up on this sexual harassment issue? Uh, that's theoretically possible. I think a more realistic scenario is where you were to talk about your concerns about uh, you know, Marxist ideology in college campuses, which obviously is at variance with the accepted narrative at college campuses, and because that would be seen as unwelcome and possibly offensive speech, yes, that could well be uh, viewed as a Title IX violation, sexual harassment. And it has, ha- it has happened at, at numerous colleges around the country where people who espouse views that are, let's call them conservative views or cr- critical of Marxism, they have found that they have been subjected to a range of of, of sanctions, um, and and if this regulation, draft regulation, goes through, uh, oh my gosh, it's hard to imagine how you could how any professor or, or any student could talk openly about you know they 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 differ from the the accepted Marxist ideology. This goes back to what you basically the premise is: you're undermining the freedom of speech. And you are turning people into not any more willful Soviets or willful collectivists, but you're doing it with the threat of forever changing their life through litigation. It is truly a diabolical place we are at in time. Are there enough, in your opinion, it's just an opinion question, but you, you know, you've, you've been in this world for a while. Are there enough higher echelon professors and and uh, people involved in higher education that see this for what it could be? Is there a chance we could push this back? Well, yes, definitely. There, there's, there's not just a chance. It's, there's, there's actually good hope. So I'm going to give, give your listeners our website address because that's where the information is. So I'm the president of SAVE, S-A-V-E, and so our website address is saveservices.org saveservices.org. <clears throat> so if, if anybody goes to that page, they will see the very first thing on your screen will be information about mass opposition, opposition to the Title IX regulation. Click on that button and you will see a listing of now 60 uh, organizations around the country that have already gone on record saying that this draft regulation stinks. I love In it. Addition, in, in addition, there there are about 35 editorials. And look, this is just in the past seven days. Okay, wow. This regulation this came out, you know, a week ago Thursday, and we already have 60 organizations. There've already been 35 editorials. I just saw one today that came out in Newsweek magazine. So the, call call it a call it a people's revolt. Call it whatever you want, but. Uh, people are fighting back and will fight back, saying this is pure, utter nonsense. I love this. This is because you're doing something. You're giving people a platform. It is saveservices.org. His name is Edward Bartlett. And, Edward, I've enjoyed this conversation very, very much. In fact, I am going to name my next boat, uh, my next boat uh, Sexual Peccadillos, which was my favorite thing you've said. I love that. Oh. And I appreciate everything you do. Edward Bartlett, thank you so much. Thank you, Sean. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. Make money, smoke cigars, and live free on The Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer.
Let's all go to the lot. Let's go to the movie. It's time for Friday Features with Sean. And now, on with the show. Are you bullying me into Friday Features or me? I think you're bullying me a little bit. We got callers on the line. I told you I wasn't too sure because I had a terrible experience. So now I'm going to give you my terrible experience. Anthony Hopkins, who I love. Love him. Uh, the movie's called The Father. Have you seen it? Don't. 98% Rotten Tomatoes. It was insanity. It was terrible. It keeps you up at night. It's uh, He has dementia. And you're, the movie is shot from his perspective. So he doesn't know who the daughter is, who the nurse is, who the son-in-law is. It's, it's, it's horrific. It's horrific. And then to top it off, I have this new show that I thought I liked on Hulu called Old Man with Jeff Bridges. It's been absolutely fantastic until he stumbles on to a bitter, life-sucking divorcee who now has just decided to totally throw the whole series up in arms. It's just terrible. So I have two terrible movies, or a terrible movie and a terrible show not to watch. So I will tell you what not to watch. Do not watch The Father and do not watch Old Man. Now you could tell me what to watch, I guess. Uh, Timothy in his garage. Hey, Sean. Hey, listen, there's a very good movie. It's an old one. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy with Jimmy Cagney. One of my favorite Fourth of July movies. And then I like to watch the one where he takes the grapefruit, smashes it in the girl's face. Then he shoots up everybody from the top of the water tower, says top of the world, Mom. So let's do a Jimmy Cagney Friday night. I like that. Very good. Dave, Libertyville. Hey, I don't have any movies. I'm just tired of waking up every morning and hearing we're giving more money to Ukraine. I want you then, Dave. I want you to hear what Josh Hawley said. And by the way, it's it's not the, the Ukrainian people I don't like. It's the Ukrainian government. You see, because I know what the Ukrainian government is. It's an oligarch front. So we're not giving the money to the Ukrainian people. We're giving it to Ihor Kolomoisky and the Azov Battalion. But we still have a couple of uh, Republicans that know that. I voted no on the aid package for mm-hmm. several reasons. I mean, one of them, just the, the sort of technicalities of it. For one thing, it's just huge. It's just yeah. astronomical in size. $40 billion is what we were talking about. That's about the size of Ukraine's entire national budget right. as of a year or two ago. It's three times as much as the Europeans have done combined right. towards this conflict that's on their continent. And my concern is is that it, it really tends to make Ukraine sort of a client state of yeah. the United States. I mean, it includes almost $9 billion in direct support to their treasury or funds that are available for their treasury. Right. Yeah. How many people knew that? Now you're going to see the news about how the Russians bombed the shopping center. Well, that shopping center has been closed since 2015. That's where they were storing our weapons. Our new shiny weapons, they blew them up. Now you got to send more. That'll be in the news, too. That should be a movie. The American swindle, the Ukrainian government, oligarch government payoff by the Biden crime family. Ooh, there's a good movie for the weekend. You know how you could watch it? Pay attention to the news. Pull your head out of your ass. Realize who you put in office. Robert Bloomingdale. Sean? Yes. Yeah, hey, this is Robert. How are you doing today? Splendid. Good. You caught me on surprise, sir. Yeah, did did I throw you off by calling you by your name? Come on. You got to start eating better. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, did you happen to see the uh, new Elvis movie? And if you did, what did you think of it? I did not see it. I should have watched it. Instead, I watched the Anthony Hopkins, which you better not watch. I, on the other hand, will watch the Elvis movie. Nick Kenosha. 
Hi, uh, just uh, one I found out it's from the 60s, uh, Comedy of Terrors. Do you want to know something, Nick? I, I have to tell you I am ignorant to the movie, but I will watch it. Do, um, you, do you have a good documentary? You yeah. have anything that explains about Ihor Kolomoisky and the Joe Biden crime family? Or do you have anything that explains about the $31 million the communist Chinese gave to the crack-smoking first son? Is there any documentary that points it out, or do I just have to watch the news? Um, well, no, I, and I keep bringing this episode of The Simpsons up that I think you should watch, and it's great. Season 12? Season, season 10, oh. episode 9. I don't know where I got 12, but 10 and 9. Squirrel hands, write that down. He's got a special customized little <laughs> pen. Thank you very much, Nick. I appreciate it. Uh, Jim, South Elgin. How you doing, my friend? Very good. Good. I hope you have a good weekend. Anyways, uh, the fellow you had in the first part of the hour... It demonstrates Michael Savage's old expression that liberalism is a mental disorder. Yeah. You know what else demonstrates? Do you know what else demonstrates that? Throughout my career, I have focused on the intersection between medical, mental, and behavioral health. That's what demonstrates. A 65-year-old pot-bellied man dressed in a female admiral's costume. Go ahead. Well, anyways, a good segment, and people got to wake up and uh, get involved and help this movement out because this stuff needs to be stopped or just pay attention to what we're supposed to be celebrating this weekend the idea that the government is not your ruler it is your employee so tell one of these government scallywags to get off their ass and do what we pay them for or resign especially if they have a receding hairline and they're a woman dressed in a detective man suit from the 30s like Lori lightfoot dave in racine wisconsin greetings son uh movie independence day with the applicable line uh, from Dennis Quaid, in the words of my generation, up yours. Or like Randy it. Quaid, actually. I like that, but here's the problem with it. It's got Will Smith in it. And I'm not offended that he got up and made an ass of himself. I'm offended that he slaps like a third-grade girl. Thank you very much. I mean, if you're going to slap somebody, Squirrel, you put some Ike Taylor, or, or uh, what's his name? Ike Turner on it. You put some stank on that thing. You don't slap like a little girl. Uh, Jennifer, Lena. Hi, Sean. One of our family favorites is The Edge. It's with Alec Baldwin. If one man can do it, another man can do it. Come on. Amen. That's our family motto. It's one of my favorites, of course. And it's uh, when you get down, you got to watch that movie. Oh, I've watched it. It's one of my. That's that's my saying in life. And especially if a Democrat, if a Democrat can do it, I can absolutely do it better and more honestly than a crooked rat bastard. Dominic, Glendale Heights. Yes, uh, there's a movie out there. It just got released, 622, on Showtime. It's about the corruption in Russia, Ukraine, the whole caboodle. Does it have have the crack-smoking first son in it? You know what? I just browsed it real quick, and I let it go because I couldn't see it from the beginning. But it's on Showtime. you got to look for it. And it's called 622? What's the name of the movie? It was out on 622. Oh, okay, look. it just came out. The name of it's about something. you got to look for it. How am I going to look for it if you don't give me the name? It. What do you got? Some, what am <laughs> I, we'll Karnak? All right, we're going to have to look for it. Yes, so I thought course. the name of the movie was 622. Here, you'll know <laughs> You'll know if it's got Hunter Biden in it. It's got some crackhead hanging in a strip joint waiting for a check to come from his daddy so he could pay for the lap dance to bust out. It's like Joe Walsh. Ralph and Rantoul. Good evening, Sean. Two movies. One... 
to test to see if uh, you can really live in woke culture, the crying game. And then after you're done with that, if you want to see every bad person get beat up mercilessly, yeah. it's the uh, the Punisher, the movie, with the one with John Travolta. Oh, the original. I like the original, too. I love the original. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, because John John is a bad character in that movie. And, you know, just the way everybody gets laid out mercilessly, it, it just, it's, um, it's satisfying. Ralph, when I first moved to Florida, right, I'm like, uh, you know, how's it work here? I want to go buy a gun, you know. So my buddy tells me, he's like, you just walk in the store and you buy the gun. I said, I don't need anything. He goes, yeah, you got your license? I said, yeah. I walk in the store. There's a gun up there. You have to see this thing. It looks like it was in every one of those John Wick movies. And on the side of it, it's got that emblem of the Punisher. Guess where that, son of, a, yeah. guess where that son of a gun is now? In my condo, baby. On your hip. I love it, Ralph and Rantoul. We'll be back with the rest of you after this. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560. The answer. AM560. The answer. Yeah, we are. It is 4th of July. You know, I have a hard time. Putting even the flag out with this piece of dung in office and these Democrat rat bastards. Plus, we're in Illinois. But I realize it's not, it has nothing to do with him. It has to do with the principles of the country. And that's the only thing that's going to withstand this kind of abuse, fraud, and corruption of these Democrat bastards. So I am going to celebrate. I am going to put my flag out. Jason Lake Zurich. Hey, Sean. Long-time listener. Love your show. Thank you, Jason. Um my uh, movie is Night Patrol. If you can find it, it's from the 80s. Uh, it's a very obscure movie, um, but it's a very comedic movie. Uh, you have to check it out. It, it's uh, Pat Morita was in it, uh, Mr. Miyagi. Oh, I love and, You know, I sat at a Super Bowl in Las Vegas. He was at the next table. He's a creepy little guy. Yeah. He had a lot of girls around him, throwing a lot of money around. It was fun to watch him. He was waxing on and waxing off in a completely different fashion. Go ahead. And he was in that movie, too, if you, if you want to see it. Oh, all right. Night Patrol. Billy Barty was in it, too, the, the little guy. Sure, sure. Well, you got to make Mr. Marito look tall. Thank you very much, Jason in Lake Zurich. I appreciate it. Duke of J, Hillside. Hello, Sean. A uh, couple movies, John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13 and John Carpenter's uh, Escape from New York. That's why I always take Duke of J. Those are great movies, absolutely fantastic movies. All right, we got two and a half minutes, and i got to cue the national anthem. Jan Elmhurst. Hey, Sean. Hi, Jen. Um, the folks that did the Gosnell movie yes. about the horrible abortion guy, yeah, Ann McElhaney and Balaam McAleer, are doing a Hunter Biden movie. Really? So, Boy, that's a screw. What a, what a trifecta that is. They had the baby murderer. What was the second one they did? Um, no, that, it's just, that's what I was oh, talking about. They I, have a podcast now about with the unheard testimony from the I had him, trial. I had him on my show for the Gosnell thing. H- Honey Bunny, let's effort to get him back next week. Jan and Elmhurst, thank you very much. Hunter Biden moving. It's called Creep, Scumbag, Low Life, and a renaissance man of economics, the liaison of bribery to the president. Dawn Naperville. Hey, Sean, how are you doing tonight? Good, Dawn. I think, um, in speaking with uh, Hunter Biden, I would say, aren't, aren't you embarrassed by Sebastian Montescalco would be a great thing to watch. All right. I don't, I don't know if he has an embarrassable in his body. But anyway, uh, I thought of Cinderella Man. I think of Cinderella Man when I think of July the 4th. I think it has 
Um, a real, it's a true story about James oh, I, it's I absolutely love it, and I love the fact when how he paid back the assistance. That's when men <laughs> had character. You know, honestly, that's how I grew up. If you if you if if you absolutely had to save your kids, fine. And then he paid it back when he could. That's what a man is, as opposed to these welfare roaches that are bringing down my country. Teresa Gold Coast. Hi, Sean. Hi. Tonight I'm going to watch the American President with Michael Douglas. Oh, I love him. I absolutely yep. love that movie, and it's got a it's got a communist in it, and I still love it. I love it. It's a good premise. And uh, it has a Warren Beatty's wife in it. What the hell's her name? I forgot her name. When oh, she wasn't um, repulsive. I know. I know. I, know. Yeah, I can right. see her face, All but right. I can't. Well, you're absolutely no help to me tonight, Teresa. You're forgetting names. I got guys giving me movies. You can't remember the name of it. Here's the good news. It's 4th of July weekend. We're going to have a good weekend for just these three days. Do not focus on the fact that the country is led by a political whore for half a century, and the morons and the corrupt bastards are the ones that are supporting them. And that what's on the agenda is baby murder and socialism and the collapse of the American way. Focus on what's going to save it. It's ingrained in our founding. We are not servants or slaves to the Democrat mafia, no matter how big their mouths are, how ridiculous they look. Right, Lori Lightfoot? You mean nothing to us in the grand scheme of things. You're but a footnote to a footnote. What we celebrate is the founding of the only country based in the, in the Enlightenment. The idea that man is to be free and not ruled. That's what the 4th of July is. That's what we celebrate. And that's why we put our flags up in face of the Soviets that have infiltrated us. Everybody have a great 4th of July weekend. I'll be back on Tuesday.
God bless America. Have a safe weekend. Don't just have a great night. Have an American night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.